Good morning, everyone. Um, it's an honor and a pleasure for me to be sharing with you guys today. I'm really excited about this. Um, as you guys all know, we're in the book of Romans. And I think uh, for myself and all the other theological nerds out there, this is our favorite book in the Bible. Um, the book of Romans is a great book because I, I think that here in the United States, everyone has like an overall understanding of certain, uh, certain things. Everybody understands. If you, if you ask someone, a random person in the street, somebody that doesn't go to church, and you ask them, why did Jesus die? Well, they're going to say he died for our sins. So we all have that basic understanding or we have that basic knowledge, but a lot of us don't really have the understanding of why he died for our sins. And anyway, so this is, a, uh, this, this is my favorite book. I'm just going to read the scripture. We're going to pray and get into this. All right. So. Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read from 21 to 31. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine, divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By, by a law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by, by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Lord, we come before you to thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray that as we uh, think about last week and even uh, go over it again, Lord, we, that we may recognize, Lord, the condition that we were before you, Lord. We were broken, we were dead, and we were hopeless apart from you. But you came in and you gave us hope. And you gave us life, Lord. Help us understand why you died for us. And let us, our hearts be moved by it, Lord. Let it be moved to share the message with others. And also to live a life honoring you in all that we do, Lord. And we ask you this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, as we said, as Keith mentioned, last, well, two weeks ago, Mike sh- shared on, on, on Romans uh, one sixteen, and it's talking about the, the gospel, the gospel message. And he did a great job explaining what the gospel message was. Last week, Keith uh, shared on the bad news. And one thing that we see in the first couple of uh, uh, chapters in the book of Romans, Paul is basically telling the condition of the world. He's basically going over our situation, God's heart, and what God did about the problem. Keith titled his message uh, from last week that there is a problem. So there's a problem. We know that God had created everything perfect, but sin came into the world. And, and when, when Adam sinned, we died. Our souls were made dead. We call this uh, condition uh, depraved. Uh, we're in depravity. We are morally corrupt. And we inherited this sin from Adam. 
We are sinners by nature. We are born dead, as the Bible says. The Bible says that we are children of wrath. So God is a righteous judge, and he has to judge sin. And because we are sinners, guess what? We are born in a condition that, that the wrath of God is pointed at us unless we come to Christ. In, uh, in, in Romans, uh, and we're reading 3, starting from verse 21. But earlier in verse 10, it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So none seeks God. Everybody has turned aside from God. We are born broken. We are born with this hole in our heart that only God can fulfill. And we are born in a state, like I said, we are born as enemies of God. So this is a this is a a a, a hard a harsh word and it's it's almost scary on its own. We know, of course, that that we have hope. So even when I'm when I'm thinking of, when I when I'm thinking about Good Friday, I'm still remembering Easter Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So I can I can I can think about how harsh and how uh, corrupt I was, but understanding in my mind, there's still this hope in the back in the back mindset mind. But I know that Jesus died for my sins. So as we speak about this, it might sound harsh. It might sound uh, uh, um, just dark, but just know that there is hope that we're going to get to eventually. Right. So I'm not going to leave everybody depressed. today. Keith did that last week. <laughs> so uh, and then going up to verse 20, it says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So we know that the law or the, or the Mosaic law was established so that we can know what sin was. Without, uh, without the law, we wouldn't understand what was sin. And it, it told us what sin was, but it didn't do anything to change the condition. It just revealed to us. The law is like a diagnosis. It, you know, a doctor comes and tells you that you're sick. He does, it not, that, that diagnosis doesn't help you to get better, but just, it just lets you know that you're sick. So apart from Christ, we stand condemned already. We stand in, in a place that we are destined to be eternally separate from God. And what happens is as human beings, for some reason, we have this idea that we're just a little bit, you know, God is just a little bit better than us. You know, we're, we're, we're not that bad. You know, as long as we can do better, you know, we have Oprah and a lot of all these gurus telling us, oh, the answer is within you. But this is all contrary to what the Bible teaches. The problem is not outside of me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. You're the problem. <laughs> we are all the problem. And the answer is not within us. The answer is outside of the, us. And the answer is Jesus. Right? It's not like we're like, okay, you know, I, I mean, I, I've given this example to people. Some people think that it's like, hey, as long as I'm better, then I could be accepted by God. You know? And I, I compared it to, let's say that the, the, a, wall, a wall at the height of the ceiling. If I work out, you know, maybe about six, eight months, I could probably get into good shape that I could probably scale that wall. Maybe not me, but let's say somebody like Andrew, you know, you know, what I mean? but, you know, <laughs> you know, so he could probably work out, you know, enough that he could say, you know, I'm going to run and, and run up, you know, the way they do in the Kung Fu movies and just jump over. Right. But let's say that that wall was five million feet in the air. Can anybody ever get there? No. So God's holiness is not that far from us. It's that far from us, if that makes sense. So we have no, on our own, we cannot make it there. And that's what we're, we're, we're and what, 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 one thing that we were speaking about last week. There is no hope in ourselves. 
our hope comes from God. And we're going to be speaking about this right now as we get into um, Ephesians 2 a little bit. Ephesians 2 says, And you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So in other words, we have a problem. This describes all of us before God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and we lived like, like in a way that was dishonoring to God. There is nothing that we can do on our own. We were spiritually bankrupt. A person that's bankrupt has the inability to pay their debt. We have the inability to pay the debt that we have. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, that we all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Other translations say filthy rags. Our righteousness, the, the, the greatest motive that you can muster up in yourself when you compare that to God's righteousness is far away. Our attempt is even can be disgusting before God. It's as filthy rags. So on our own, we cannot do this, like I said. And the word righteous, it means, it means uh, uh, a, a, val- a validating performance. So like, like let's say if you, um, if you turn in a resume to try to, to try to get a job or if you turn in your, 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 uh, your transcript to try to get into a school. You know, this is saying, hey, because of this, I should get into here. Or because of this, I should obtain this job. So our record is not good enough to obtain salvation on our own, no matter who we are. So this is the bad news, like I was saying. But everything changes with these two words in Romans chapter 2. And I'm wearing those words in my chest, my chest right now. But God. Amen. So it's like if, let's say, this airplane was just going down and it's about to crash. And then it just makes a U-turn and goes up. So this is the dark condition we would describe. But then it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And jumping down to verse eight, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. So even the faith to salvation is a gift that God gives us. So again, apart from God, we have no place with him. We have no entrance with him. We have no relationship with him. And we're going to talk a little bit of why that is as we get into this. Let's go back to verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So it is basically telling us that our righteousness does not come from the law. We can, you know, we, we think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they lived up to the law. They practiced the law. But Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They were dead inside. So because our righteousness is so far from God, no, we cannot be righteous on our own, on our own merit. We cannot follow laws and be righteous because, like I said, our righteousness is so far from God's. He is so much more holier than we are. So it's saying here basically that our righteousness comes from God. 
Um, Christianity is a total different thing than any than than religions out there, because religion teaches us that we try to heap up our good works in order to reach a God. But like I said, if we can heap them up there, we might make it. But if it's I don't know if I said five million feet in the air, whatever number I said, if 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 that that's how far we God is from us, then we can never make it there on our own. So the way that we receive his righteousness is by trusting in Jesus, in his perfect righteousness. And this is wild. This is different than everything and what religion teaches us. His righteousness. And here the word righteousness and, and, and justification is sort of used uh, like interchangeably here. So apart from the law and our actions actually living up to the law, we cannot be righteous on our own. We're not holy enough and we are not righteous enough. In Galatians uh, 2.16 it says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So this, uh, and the word justification, it means to be like acquitted, to be found not guilty for our sin. So the righteousness that we receive from God is, is unique because of two things. Number one, God is the source of it. Like I said, and I might be being a dead horse, but I'm going to continue saying the fact that on our own, we are not righteous enough to be accepted by God. We need his righteousness. And also the other thing that makes it unique is that it fulfills God's law and the penalty for breaking it. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners, we are supposed to receive the, de- the death that Jesus received on the cross. We are sinners and we're supposed to spend eternity apart from God. It says here in verse 22, uh, at the end of 22, it says, For there is no distinction for all sinned. Sorry, I'm lost. It says, For all sin and, ha- sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Whether it's a Jew, a Gentile, a tall person, a short person, smart person, not smart person, all of us are not righteous, and all humility, all humanity is guilty of this sin. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, "If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks." <laughs> <laughs> and the, the reality is, you know, that you know we we are we are we are sinners. We are broken. We all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, uh, Romans one twenty three says basically that we exchange his glory for the glory of created things. We walked in the garden before with God, you know, Adam and Eve. They spoke to God. They glorified God. But they traded that away for, uh, because they were dece- de- deceived by the lust for glory and self-determination. Adam and Eve traded that in, the beauty of walking with God for their own feelings and, 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 and wanting to, to, to be just like God. And verse 24 says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. God has given us this free gift of salvation. And, and it, one other translations said justified freely by grace. So Jesus did something to make us right before God. Because apart from him, we couldn't do it. And, and it's more than just forgiveness. It's more than just being pardoned of our sin. Because if, if forgiveness is a negative thing, righteousness is a positive thing. Forgiveness is saying that you're not held responsible for something that you actually did. 
Righteousness is that you did right, if that makes sense. It's more than just saying you are forgiven. So uh, there was a, a, a Anglican bishop that said, to speak of God's forgiveness is to say you may go. To speak of God's justification is to say you may come. So instead of saying, like, hey, you know what? You did it, but don't worry about it. You can just go. It's like, no, you may come. You are accepted. You are one, not because of what we did, but because of who he was and, who, and what he did. The term that we use for this is imputed righteousness. It, mean, it means that God, God regards Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. So we have been counted as righteous because Jesus has given us his righteousness for those of us that are in Christ. For those of us that have put our faith in Christ for our salvation. So is another example is like, let's say that we owed a million dollars. You know, if the bank says, you know what, we forgive you of your debt, you'll be at zero. But with Jesus' righteousness, instead of us being at zero, it's like if we have a million dollars. So that makes sense. Just the, the difference between just being forgiven and having his righteousness is not a negative, is a positive. So that's what we have received through Christ. It's more than just forgiving of our, the forgiveness of our sins. It's greater than that. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He made him that was sinless become our sin. Jesus took on our sin on the cross and he gave us his righteousness. Now when the father sees us, those of us that are in Christ, when the father sees us, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So whether on your best day or on your worst day, God looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus. And that's the beauty, beauty of it. And, of course, that doesn't mean that we just go on and, you know, continue to sin so that grace can abound. Of course not. But out of appreciation for what God has done, we live lives of worship. We live lives to honor him, to give him the glory for all that he has done for us. Martin Luther spoke about this verse and he said, This is that mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by a wonderful exchange... Our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's. And the righteousness of Christ, not Christ's, but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that he might clothe us with and fill us with. And he has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. So he has delivered us from our sin, our sin that deserved to spend eternity from, from, from God. But he has delivered us from that, and he has given us his righteousness. He has exchanged our sin, taken on our sin, and given on us his righteousness. He has taken on our death that we deserve, and he has given us eternal life. He has taken our pain and sorrow and given us hope and joy. We do not deserve this, but this is what God has done for us. And this is a reason for us to celebrate. This glorious exchange is what has given us the righteousness of Jesus. And because we have the righteousness of Jesus, this is why we are accepted before a holy God. A sinful man, God has to judge sin. God is a righteous judge. If he did not judge sin, he wouldn't be righteous anymore. 
It's like, you know, God forbid something happened to someone in your family and the judge knew and said, eh, it's fine. That wouldn't be a good judge. But God is a righteous judge. And it says in verse 25, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood. The word propitiation is a sacrifice that removes wrath. The wrath of God has been absorbed by Jesus. And it's, uh, it's basically saying that his wrath has been appeased or satisfied. When you're a detective and you find the murderer, guess what? There is a satisfaction there. If you are a judge and there was a person that was guilty and they get sentenced to what they deserve, there's a satisfaction there because you have done your job. Because God is a righteous uh, judge, he finds satisfaction in punishing sin. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, the, the problem is I need to punish sin, but I love my people. So what did God do in his wisdom? He was able to be perfect righteousness and perfect love at the same time by him coming down to becoming a human being like you and me and to get tempted with all temptation known to us, but yet remain sinless. Why? Because he loved us enough to make a way for us to be able to spend eternity with him. So this fact that God's righteousness, his judgment was was satisfied. How was it satisfied? It was satisfied because our sin was placed on Jesus and he received the wrath of our judgment that we all deserved. So God's righteousness was satisfied. The Bible says in, 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 in Isaiah 53 that it pleased the Lord to crush him because he was going to make a payment for all of our sins. So it was pleasing for God. Even in Jesus in his struggle, there was still a pleasure in him looking at each and every one of us and knowing that he was dying for our sins. Even though he struggled in his humanity and he struggled with it, there was a, he, it was pleasing for him to die for us at the same time. Because that was the only way to do it. God is both righteous and he is gracious and merciful. In verse 26, it says, It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is both just, righteous, and punishing sin, and also the one that justified us at the same time. He is both righteous and gracious and merciful. So sinners have, have, have broken God's laws, and they deserve his wrath. We deserve punishment on the cross. Jesus took our place on that, uh, for that punishment. Now, we, 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 when we put our trust in Jesus, when we recognize that we're sinners and come to him in repentance and in faith for what he did, we are found not guilty for all our sin. Past sin, present sin, Jesus has paid the price for all of our sin. For those of us that have put our trust in Jesus Christ. If he were to just forgive our sin, he would be merciful, but he wouldn't be righteous. He was both righteous and merciful on the cross. Jesus did this for us. He did it on our behalf. Romans 8, 3 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Our sin on Jesus' flesh, the condemnation I deserved, was paid for by Jesus on the cross. 
This is what propitiation is. That the wrath of God is satisfied in Jesus dying on the cross for us. There was a story. There was an Indian chief. And um, he was, he, you know, he was, he was chiefing, I guess. And, uh, and somebody was stealing chickens in his tribe. So he was like, okay, we're going to find this thief. And this thief is going to get ten lashes. He's going to get whipped. They, they continue to steal the chickens. He was like, all right, this thief is going to get 50 lashes. The chickens continue to be missing. This thief is going to get 100 lashes, and this is a sure death for anybody. So they found the thief, and the chief had a problem because the thief was his own mother. So when the, the time of judgment had come, his mother was tied up on a, on a tree, and everybody was there at the town square just to see what the chief was going to do. So the chief went over to her. And he had his whip. And he took his whip and he gave it to one of his soldiers. And he went up to her and he wrapped his massive body around her. And he ordered his soldier to, take, to whip him instead. This is what Jesus did for us. And for a, a, a nerdy theological word is penal substitutionary atonement. <laughs> penal substitutionary atonement. So penal talks about the penalty. The penalty of our sin was paid for by a substitute, which was Jesus. And now, through that, we are reconciled to God. We are made one with God and, and brought uh, to peace with God and have a relationship with God. So I, I, I'm going to ask you guys next week to spell that. So not <laughs> I'm just saying. But it just, it just, it just tells us God's – I mean, I'm amazed by God's love. By God's holiness Amen. and his wisdom. His wisdom to, to do this for us. God is amazing. He was ultimate righteousness and ultimate love and ultimate wisdom at the same time. I'm blown away by this. And honestly, this week when I was uh, just studying on this, I, w- I, was, I was brought to tears just thinking about it. You know, Because w- this is all information we're gave, giving, but just understand that this is the heart of God. God Want to, wanted to restore the relationship that was broken by sin. And he did it by taking it on himself. Verse 27 says, Then what comes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works. So if we are justified, we are not justified by our, own, by our own works. We are justified by putting faith in Jesus and his works, his righteousness, everything that he did, his birth, his life, the way that he lived, the perfect life, his death and his resurrection. As we put our faith in those things, that's how we are justified. That's how we are found righteous before God, trusting in his works. So it's not on our own merit. You know, one thing that I, I like to ask people when I'm, when I'm talking to them about the Lord, I ask them, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you think you'll go to heaven? And some people be, are honest and say, no, I don't think I will. But some people say yes. And I ask them, why do you think you should go to heaven? And they'll, they'll you know, continue to bring out their resume and give me a list of all the things that they do, they've done and all the things that they are. But, you know, biblically we understand that there's no list that we can come out with that's good enough in order to be accepted by God. We can only be righteous before God through Jesus' righteousness by our faith in that. 
So in verse uh, 29 it says, Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. There is only one way, and there's only been one way to God, and that is through faith. And 31 says, Do we then overthrow the law by faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. So we, those of us that have trusted in Christ for our salvation, does this mean that, that, that God's ways are canceled and we don't have to live according to them? No. We don't live according to his ways in order to obtain salvation, but we live according to his ways because we have salvation, because we are his, out of appreciation and love for all that he's done. The Bible says, he's, God said, be holy for I am holy. So this does not take, everything we're talking about here does not take away the responsibility to live according to God's ways. And um, to go on in, in uh, just a couple of verses in chapter 4, it says, "For what, well, So what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Again, uh, righteousness by faith. Verse 16 says, That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the, to the adherent of the law, but also to the ones who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. So again, by grace and faith. 23 says, but the, word, but, but the words it was counted to him were not written only for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our, our justification. So that's why we call, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have seen little kids in church do Father Abraham. No? And many sons? Anyway, we are called sons of Abraham because Abraham is the father of faith because of this. So uh, the way to God has always been faith. It has never been works, even in the Old Testament. And in, uh, ver- in chapter 5, and I'm just giving to some parts of these verses. Chapter 5 says, uh, verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the, by the death of his son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now Receive reconciliation. So we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God. And now we have been reconciled. We have been made one and have a relationship with God. Verse 15 says, For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by, that, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment follow, following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many tres, the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So through Adam's sin, condemnation was brought to us. Through Jesus' act of righteousness, justification was brought to us. For it is because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. 
For as one of for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many were made righteous. So there's just a contrast between Adam and Jesus. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is the beauty of the gospel. And we cannot understand how important it is without understanding the bad news. Like I said, the word go- or the, we know the word gospel means good news. So we un- all can, only can understand how good this news is when we understand how bad the bad, no- bad news was before. Like, you know, I've used an example. Like, let's say, you know, right now I'm pretty thirsty. And I'm grateful that Lori brought me some water, even though I haven't had a chance to take a drink. But let's say that we were in the desert for a whole day and somebody brought us water. There's a different, uh, a different level of, of appreciation there, right? So that is, you know, a lot of times people act like what Jesus did was take them out for lunch, you know? Or, or, or he came to make them a better person. No, uh, this, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said that God didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. We were dead and now we have been made alive. Jesus didn't just didn't, didn't come so that you can be better. Right. Being better is a result of new life in Christ. Yeah. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And apart from him, we have no place with God. But Jesus came, became one of us, died the death that we deserve. When the worship team could come up, the, we died the death that we all deserve. Lived the perfect life on our behalf and has given us this free gift. He has taken on our death, given us his life, taken on our, our, our sin, given us his righteousness so that we can be reconciled to our Father. And that's the beauty of the good news of the gospel. We have been made righteous. We have been justified through Jesus Christ. Amen. So just a, a couple of uh, 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 application points. And how do we respond to this truth now? One way I want to ask people to respond, if there's anyone here that has never repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ for their salvation, I want to ask you to to think about that. We repent, and the word repent means a change of mind. When 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 we humble ourselves before God and recognize our sinful state, we, re- we recognize that he's right and we make a, 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 a turn in our life and we ro- go away from our sinful state and we go towards righteousness. But this takes humility in order for us to do that. In Luke 10, Jesus told a parable and he, he was telling the story. He says that he was, uh, the Bible says he was saying this story to people that trusted in their own righteousness. And he said that there was a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee was saying, man, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy right here. And I'm not like all these other people over here. They're all bad. But me, I'm good. Look what I have done. Look what I do. Look at who I am. And the tax collector, who was a sinner, said that he was beating his chest. And he was saying, he was beating his chest because he recognized the heart is in the chest and all that's evil in us comes from our heart. He was broken because because of his sin. He was overwhelmed by his guilt. And he said, have mercy on me. And this literally translated, be pro- propitious towards me. He understood that his own, on his own righteousness, he had no access to God. 
and he couldn't come before God. He understood that he needed someone else's righteousness to come to him. So, and then we talked about the fact that, that we, on our own righteousness, we cannot come to God. So repent and put your faith in Christ. What he did, his perfect righteousness, and receive that, receive that free gift of salvation. And there's anyone here that, that has never done that, you know, you can come to, to, to one of us, you know, after service, and we can talk to you about that. You come to Pastor Mike, myself, or Pastor Keith, and we can talk about that. We invite you to do that. Another way that we can, uh, that we can respond to understanding this is that if we are in Christ, then we can boldly come before the throne of grace. Even our little hang-ups and our struggles and our insecurities should not stop us from being able to come before God because on your best day and on your worst day, you are still the righteousness of Jesus Christ. On our best day and worst day, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So come before him boldly before his throne of grace. You are his child and you are accepted for those of us that are in Christ. And also, another way that we can respond because we are the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we have his righteousness living inside of us, then let's live righteously. We have been empowered by the Spirit of God that's living inside of us to live according to his ways. So let's live that out also. So I pray that we were encouraged by this, that we were moved by this, that we see God's heart in this and his love in this, and we see his wisdom, how he is a righteous God that needs to be righteous, but he's also a loving God and he made a way how he was gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for us. So let's respond to him.